How many of you are familiar with Star Wars? Enough, good. I'm building my communications Death Star. I have 2,000 employees around the globe. I'm the emperor, and with my communications Death Star, I can point it at anything I want. Seven years ago, I pointed it at an app we incubated at Vayner called Resi, and that was highly successful, and we sold that to Amex. Three years later, I pointed my Death Star at Empathy Wines, a direct-to-consumer wine brand, and we sold that to Constellation. A couple years ago, I made a really big bet, and I pointed my Death Star and a ton of stormtroopers, and even a couple of Darth Vader, to something called VFriends, which is my Pokemon Sesame Street intellectual property. So they may know how to make great content. ESPN, The Jazz, everybody. There's a lot of talented storytellers. The problem is every storyteller that has been trained for the last 30 years was not trained in having to think about the distribution. The distribution was just a screen. Today, there's not a single time that I post-produce video that I'm recording that I'm not thinking about how the algorithm works. It's because I'm watching, I'm day trading attention. This is a skill of day trading all of pop culture, distribution, creative variables. So yes, I do believe that a shocking percentage of Fortune 500 CMOs in 10 to 20 years would have been trained at VaynerX. And I'm really proud of that and I want that for those employees and I want that for the marketing world because I believe that marketing today is in a shit show. I think we're wasting an obnoxious amount of money and I think we need to fix it. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. I'm pretty excited to be here and I'm ready to dive in, my man. Let's, let's go. Well, so first of all, um, so much to talk about. Uh, how many of you are working in a business or part of a tech company? Raise your hand. I just want to see. I just want to see. Okay. So I think to, to start, Gary, let's, you and I have had a lot of conversations over the years around the future of marketing, the future of media. Um, and, and I want to, it's not going to be one question, it's going to be a couple, but we're, I want to unpack what you're seeing from a brand marketing standpoint, um, from a marketing standpoint, and we're just going to riff for a second because um, I think we're watching a lot of transformation. I mean, we just launched Jazz Plus about an hour ago where everyone can now between KJazz and... Hold on, hold on. That was a bullshit clap. Let's clap it up for Jazz Plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went from 1.2 million people to 3.2 million people that can now watch games. We're going into Idaho, Wyoming, and Washington. We've basically gone from basically 1.2 to 5 million people are going to have access to our, our jazz network. And it's basically a curated experience to shift the model from contract to eyeballs. And we've talked a lot about how that is an art and they're actually making that art now a science. And I think it's very, very relevant for every single person here, every parent here who has kids who are on social media, who are, who are at the intersection of storytelling and business. It's a lot to unpack, Yep. but that's what everyone in Utah needs to hear because very few people have done it as well as you. Thank you. So I think it's interesting. I caught the last few minutes of Jimmy right before we came on. And if you notice what he said about, hey, we're making content on social and we're realizing how that's affecting our owned and operated. What he's referring to is something that I think about and I call day trading attention. So day trading attention. Day trading attention. So if we're leaving with something, it's this phrase, this. day trading attention. And when I come to a conference like this and I have so many different people here in different parts of their lives, some people work at companies and have a side hustle. 
They sit on a nonprofit board. They sit on uh, an education board. They, they are the leader of a company. What, what I love about the concept that I'm about to talk about, which is how do you not waste a single dollar or in reverse, how do you spend every dollar to maximize the thing that you want to happen? Right, the one thing that I can guarantee connects everyone here is there's things they'd like to happen in life. It might be a stay-at-home parent and they want their kid to have a happy life. It's all based on communication. The one thing we're all tied by here is the ability to communicate and that becomes an incredible variable of what happens. All of our political views, all of our biggest standards, how we see the world, it's all been story told to us by parents, by outside forces. This is the thing I've always been fascinated by. I know some of you know who I am, I know a lot of you don't. I was born in the Soviet Union, in the USSR. I came to the US when I was three and grew up in the 80s in America. So I was immediately fascinated by the Cold War and was paying attention to how people did messaging. I was interested long before we started talking about it in America about what the media was doing. I was also interested in word of mouth and I was always a businessman. When I sold lemonade when I was seven, I spent more time on making signs and putting them up on the right pole. I would, think about how sick I was. I was seven and I would walk around Edison, New Jersey with a sign and I thought it was interesting and cool to sit down on a hill at a cross section and watch cars driving by to try to figure out which tree or post or pole was the best one to put my lemonade stand 25 cents for lemonade thing. So I've been chasing attention my whole life. And what I know is as we sit here today, there's an extraordinary amount of money being wasted by internal teams, by external agencies, by the production of videos, pictures, and written word, by the media spend that you spend on Google and Facebook and TikTok and television and outdoor and print and badges. You can steal an MBA badge or you can overpay for it. There is no guaranteed deal. The best deal in day trading attention, AKA the best ad in America today is the Super Bowl spot. It's the best ad. The problem is, even though the seven or eight million dollars for 30 seconds that will get you 110 American, million Americans to consume it, even though that's the best ad, if you screw up the 30 second video, it's not the best. So you have this game of spending media dollars to get attention, and then you have the creative, the video, the picture, the audio, the written word, as the variable if you're gonna sell sneakers, ticket sales, streaming, B2B contracts, help your sales team if you're a SaaS business. This is the biggest conversation from ESPN to a single person entrepreneur looking to sell chocolate next week. And I think the majority of the people in this room are grossly underestimating the platforms that dominate the attention of our society and the majority of them are sitting on this thing right here. Now of course streaming has incredible amounts of attention and of course there's other variables. I mean, I like running videos at gas station pumps because people consume them against the price. I think sometimes buying outdoor billboards is a good deal, but this goes to the framework that I want everyone here to take away, day trading attention. Meaning, you're doing it every day. 
you're day trading. You don't just blindly say that Google AdWords work. You have to change the creative on your Google AdWords against emerging trends. Nobody was searching the combo of Kelsey and Taylor Swift a month ago and now they are. What does that mean, if anything? And there's 700,000 other things going on in culture right this nanosecond and most people are punting marketing because they don't understand it which is why we have those classic phrases of, I'm wasting 50% of my money, I just don't know what 50%, and I don't believe it has to be that way, but I don't believe anyone in this stadium, by the way, probably including me, takes it serious enough, because it is the most controllable variable to create the outcome that you want. So day trading attention would be this concept that... I just want to thank the guy who whistled. Thank you for that. There was a bunch of women who can't whistle, but they tried to. So day trading attention is this concept that the old world, or scene one, would be you place a marketing campaign and you leave and you go focus on what it is to the new world, which is scene two. You've got to be in it every minute. Every single thing matters. Every channel matters. And it's this living, breathing thing. And those organizations that do the best at it are the ones that are going to win. Period. Period. And, and look, marketing is the offense. If you stuck at defense, I really don't want to talk football right now because I'm super fucking pissed. This is actually... You said... I, I, the Jets thing is really a problem right now. But anyway, the... Look, I want to be careful here because I want everybody here to... The people that are best in the world on what we just talked about, do I think they're going to win? They're going to win on the offense. They're going to acquire the most customers. Everybody here knows you can screw up a business a million ways that has nothing to do with how much revenue you bring in. So yes, do I think the people in this room... and Actually, by making noise, how many people are familiar with me and the things I talk about? And I know this is a very, very nice place, so don't feel bashful, but I'm just trying to understand something real quick. Please make equal amount of noise, because I know you're gonna be nice to me, but don't be nice to me. Equal amount of noise if you don't know me at all. I feel pretty, my self-esteem is in good. That was good, that was good. I was like 60, 70, no, 70, 30, I felt good. Anyway, especially for the 30, 40% that don't know, and, and honestly, weirdly enough, maybe even more for the 60 to 70% that do know, please make this the time, even if you're one of those people that's heard this from me 99 times, and definitely if you've never heard this from me, please listen to me. Everything on earth is based on communication. Everything, everything. Like, it's, it's way bigger than you think. And I can't believe in 2023, heading into 2024, how many of you here do not take social media serious. It has the far majority of our country's attention, the world's attention on it. And let me say this nice and slow, right? This is business 101. It's free. Let me just, the distribution is free. Of course you can run ads on it, and of course it costs money to make a video or things of that nature. But you're not calling the Jazz for sponsorship and Ryan's like, yeah, no problem, put your patch on my jersey, it's free. You can't get a newspaper ad for free, Google is not free, you can't do a commercial for free, radio ads are not free. For the first time, distribution 
is potentially free. And for the real players in this room, and this is a big one, Ryan, for the real players in this room, you know that we've gone through a massive transformation in social media in the last 24 months, which I refer to as the TikTokification of social media. And what that means is the following. I invested 17 years ago in three companies. They were the first three companies I invested in. They were called Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. So that means that I made a lot of money, but it also means something important for this point. When I invested in Tumblr, which was the third of those three investments back in 2006, I called my brother AJ and I said, you know, obviously I just invested in Facebook and Twitter six months earlier, three months earlier, and I called AJ, I had this meeting with David Karp, the founder of Tumblr, which was a New York-based tech company, which was unusual, and I called AJ and I said, bro, I just invested in the biggest one of them all. Tumblr will be bigger than Facebook and Twitter. First, thank God I did not make that video. (laughs) Second, let me tell you why I said it. I said it because the mistake I made was I didn't take into consideration at the time the jockey, not the horse. Obviously, Ev Williams and Jack were more capable operators. Mark Zuckerberg was a more capable operator than David Karp. Now, David Karp still sold Tumblr for a billion dollars years ago when a billion was like 50 billion now, right? So it was still a monster exit. But let me tell you why I thought Tumblr was gonna be the biggest. Facebook and Twitter, what I explained to AJ on that call, which I actually wish I did record so I could show it to you now and tell you how long I've been waiting for the TikTokification of social. Facebook and Twitter, you followed people. It was your social graph and it worked like email marketing. We would all try to amass as many followers and a percentage of our followers would open, like open rates, right? Get a million followers, 27,000 to 250,000 would see it. It worked like email. I understood that. I built my daddy's wine business on email. I understood. Tumblr was doing something different. You were following your interests. And I, I'm gonna, you can tell them right. Here it is, it's about to come. I don't, you see it? Yeah, I see it. Okay. The reason I just got goosebumps is because I remember what I felt once I understood what Tumblr was doing, which was our interests are more powerful than the people we follow. As a matter of fact, all of our friends are almost solely based on our interests. We became friends on aligned interests. So I fell in love with Tumblr, and so for the people that follow me the most, and I've got some friends in the front that I know do, you remember seven years ago, I went crazy on Musical.ly. The reason, and everybody was like, all right, this is the time Gary actually lost his mind. Why is an app that has 13-year-old girls dancing on it, why is he yelling about this? because I saw the interest graph come back and I knew that it started with 14 year old girls but we would all eventually be there because it's the most powerful thing. Now, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube Shorts, Snap Discovery, Twitter, all of the platforms now are showing you higher percentage and I believe TikTok included is not showing us enough of it. I think they should be pot committed to just showing us what we want to consume because that's how the world actually works and I think the future battle of who's gonna win this battle of these four or five companies is which algorithm goes all the way to just showing us what we want to be seeing instead of random stuff and so for, this is a long-winded setup for something I want everyone to hear. For the first time ever in the history of marketing, the content creates the distribution. The way every other platform for 100 years has worked from radio to billboard to direct mail to television to the whole internet was you made a picture or video and then you paid money to try to get in front of people. 
for the first time ever, and it did not matter how good your video or picture was. If you made a shitty commercial, NBC did not give you their money back. They took it and it ran. For the first time ever, the quality of the creative creates the distribution. There are people in this room who do not have a TikTok account, who tomorrow can open one, have zero followers, and if they make a quality piece of creative that is interesting to the masses, could have a million people see it. This is unprecedented, this matters big, and here's where it becomes atomic. The OTTs and fast channels and streaming services are building their ad product more like that than like television. And so we are in a crash course in the next five to seven years where every ad above the line, as they call it, television, and all of social will be now in a place where the creative is a variable to the success greater than we've ever seen. And the practitioners, I sit here today as a man who knows the difference between putting a pic, the same picture on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, YouTube Shorts, Facebook Reels, Facebook Main Feed, Twi- like all these platforms, I know the difference of what it needs to look like, what the first three seconds need to look like, what the title needs to look like, what time to post it, how much copy, which hashtags. This is a skill. This is not your 22-year-old fucking niece doing this for your company. This is a massive skill and it's the most important skill, and I think everybody here is punting it and having it as their 15th to 80th biggest priority, and I believe from the Utah Jazz to an entrepreneur out here on day one, the craft of producing 30, 40, 50, 60 ads a day, a day, 30, 40, 50, 60 a day across 11 platforms targeting different demos This is for the female fans. This is for the female 32 to 40 year old fans who like Taylor Swift and go to yoga. This is for 55 to 57 year old African American fans who like Jay-Z. Like deep segmentation, 30, 40, 50 segmentations. If you're a B2B SaaS business, this is for the CFOs on LinkedIn and Fortune 5000 companies where we're gonna make copy and creative that tells them how much money they will save if they use our SaaS product because they're a CFO and you fucking CFOs out there, you love saving money. Who's the CFO? Make some noise. There's like, there's like 10 CFOs in here. <laughs> so anyway, look, obviously you could see what that six minute rant or whatever the fuck I just did. This is important. So, so Gary, uh, it's interesting because when we launched Gas Plus, we actually stood up SCG Media where we said, no, we're gonna be a full media company. And we're gonna staff it with practitioners who are producing the games, who are producing the content. This is, right, like it or not, like it's not the day where sports teams throw it over the fence to someone else to handle distribution. That's right. Because it's the content creation. If we think about those practitioners, you and I have had these conversations where if we look at Fortune 500 CMOs, Yes. And I think the wording from you is something along the lines of 90% of them will have worked in one of my media companies in the next 10 years. Yeah, so, well, we're- It's a pretty bold prediction. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a hyperbole, but. 
<laughs> Let me tell you where I was going with this. Ryan and I are, were referencing a time we were together maybe two or three times ago, and he's like, what are you up to? Like, why do you have an agency? Like, feels like you'd be doing bigger things. And I'm like, listen, I'm building, by, by noise, how many of you are familiar with Star Wars? <laughs> Enough, good. So I said to Ryan, I said, Ryan, I'm building my communications Death Star. Right? I have 2,000 employees around the globe, 300 people in APAC right now, 100 people in LATAM, 300 people in Europe. I'm building a communications Death Star. I'm the emperor, right? Actually, right? I'm the emperor. And with my communications Death Star, I can point it at anything I want. So, seven years ago, I pointed it at an app we incubated at Vayner called Resi and that was highly successful and we sold that to Amex. Three years later, I pointed my Death Star and sent some stormtroopers to go work there and I pointed that at Empathy Wines, a direct-to-consumer wine brand and we sold that to Constellation, right? A couple years ago, I made a really big bet and I pointed my Death Star and a ton of stormtroopers and even a couple of Darth Vaders to something called VFriends, which is my Pokemon Sesame Street intellectual property. Skeletor last night. Yes, big collaboration. Skeletor and skilled skeleton at VFriends. So, I'm building this communications Death Star. Anyway, just to come back to being Gary. I'm back to being Gary. Um, I said to Ryan, I said, we're teaching a totally different skill. He's building an internal shop. He's my homie. I just heard that. The biggest fear I have is they know how to make the content but they don't know the nuances of the distribution and how to make the content for the distribution. So they may know how to make great content. ESPN, The Jazz, everybody, people, there's a lot of talented storytellers. The problem is every storyteller that has been trained for the last 30 years was not trained in having to think about the distribution. The distribution was just a screen, 30 minutes, yeah, okay, I'm doing a sitcom, I gotta tell the story in 22 minutes, that was it. Today, there's not a single time that I post-produce video that I'm recording that I'm not thinking about how the algorithm works on LinkedIn. What is the features? Is it a carousel ad? Like, why am I posting on Instagram now a carousel two-post post where the first one's an image and the second one's a video instead of what I've been doing for two straight years which is just a video? It's because I'm watching, I'm day trading attention. It goes much further than that with day trading attention. Influencer marketing is one of the greatest opportunities in marketing today to either get an obnoxious deal for 100,000 bucks in one or 30 influencers and crush, or spend $100,000 on one to 30 influencers and get nothing. These are, this is a skill of day trading all of pop culture, distribution, creative variables. So what I was saying to Rai was, look, if, we're, if I'm right about this, and ironically, there, there's a great company based here that literally, literally, I don't, where are they? Are they, are they maybe be backstage? Literally, two, a week ago, a, an employee that worked for me for the last nine years became the CMO of a company based in Utah. I just met the gentleman back in. They've been working with one of my agencies, that's where they met her. So yes, I do believe that a shocking percentage of Fortune 500 CMOs in 10 to 20 years would have been trained at VaynerX, and I'm really proud of that, and I want that for those employees, and I want that for the marketing world, because I believe that marketing today is in a shit show. I think we're wasting an obnoxious amount of money, and I think we need to fix it. So I think, uh, so I think, I think everyone here, did everyone understand the, the day trading concept? Okay, so that's a takeaway from Silicon Slopes.
write a book on this, right? Yeah, next year it's coming out. Day trading attention. Oh. It's gonna crush. <laughs> you know what, it, actually for the people that here that really follow me, it was originally called Jab, 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 Left Hook. It's the follow-up from a book that I know a lot of, thank you for all the, thank you for crushing, that's the first one. That's the first one. I will sign that for that book. I, done. Locked in. Get her up here right now, let's sign it here live on stage. Let's fucking mix it up here at Silicon Slope Summit. Um, go ahead, man. Um, I want to switch gears. Okay. I think there's a lot, I mean, you talked about growing up, I'll never forget coming over to my house, I'm meeting my son, Jet. You asked him what his favorite number was, five. And, and his name was Jet. I like almost kidnapped this kid. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you went on to tell this story that has kind of shaped your, we're doing this. Yeah, we're doing right. this. Uh, this is how we do it. This is how we do it, come on up here. Let's, let's clap it up for these two. Okay. What's your name? Adam? I'm Ryan. What's up? Hey, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. yeah. How are you? Get oh, God. Let's get the little one first. Okay. You saved my life from dad back in 2011. All right. Thank you. When uh, Laurel Langmire put I'll me in debt with her book, this. Making Millionaires, yes. Crush It have saved my life. I love so you. since then, I've waited to meet you. Thank you. Person. I'm glad we met. And then my son is so inspired. Can I take a picture? Yeah. Who's doing? Oh, there we go. Go. Okay. There we go. Adam. Adam. Go sell that in school for five cents. Yeah. My kids' school class is actually here. So, are they? Yeah. So there they, look at there they are. Where are Let's they? go back there right. straight ahead. Any language you've heard today um, is condoned. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have it inside you. Um, the, the, let's go through that because I, I think you you explained a story that I didn't I didn't understand. So was, oh, you want I, me to go into? I've never forgotten that. So. Maybe you just noticed that I put up the number five. Definitely the people that follow me have seen this. Ah, man, I don't like getting emotional about this, but this is, a, this is probably the most important story of my life. We went to the USA, we're super poor. It was like 1978, 79. It was a really tough economic climate in the US, the Carter years. You've seen the videos if you didn't grow up in it. Gas lines, it was really rough. The great uncle, who's a distant relative of my father's, who was gonna kind of watch out for us when we came to America, the way that I got out of the Soviet Union, we had to go to Austria for three weeks, we were in Italy for three months, and then we got the proper papers, and we were able to come to America. During that three month period, the great uncle dies. So now we come to America, and we're like, you know, in a, in a spot. And so, I live in a studio apartment with eight family members, like, 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 I am driven by gratitude. I can never get fancy. I'm from the dirt, you know? And so, my father gets a job as a stock boy in a liquor store in New Jersey. He's literally commuting from Queens to New Jersey for like two bucks an hour. It's like insane that this is like five minutes ago. My dad works his face off, becomes the manager of the store. That lets us move to Edison, New Jersey. That's really where I grew up. That's where I was Americanized. Literally, for the kids under 30 here, you won't understand this, but I went outside to play. And so, you know, I went outside 
And literally, for everyone over 40 or 45, you know exactly where I'm going. In the beginning of your childhood, you go outside and play and you like look for people. So I'm like walking around town and like in the distance, I'm like, wait a minute, there's some kids. I walk up. You see them everywhere. Fair enough. <laughs> in Jersey, they were everywhere too, but like you just had to find it. I found these kids and they were playing football and I walked over and these became my best friends growing up. They were playing football. And they're like, are you a football fan? And I'm like, I'm, I'm just barely getting English down at this point. And they're like, well, you're, you're, you're with us now. And they're like, you're a Jets fan. And that was, I really wish they said something else. <laughs> so that was 1982. And now I'm pot committed. I watched, this was August right before school. We just moved before school. So I watched the whole season. And the Jets, in typical Jets, what they've done to me fashion, tricked the shit out of me. The 1982 Jets went all the way to the AFC Championship game, literally the game before the Super Bowl. I'm like, this is good. It took literally 16 more years for them to even get that close. So now I'm fully in. I'm in, I'm in. And all my, we're playing football every day with the Nerf ball every day. And my friends all have a Jets jersey. And I asked my mom for a Jets jersey. And we were poor and like you didn't, like we weren't really like that. We were immigrants, like you don't buy a $20 jersey. Like money was for food and maybe clothes. You know, and so she said no and unbeknownst to me over the next four or five weeks, my mom, after she put bed from 10 p.m. on to midnight, started knitting me a Jets jersey. And on that jersey was the number five. And that's because two years earlier when I was five, I decided five was my favorite number. I still have that Jets jersey. I wore it every single day. And the reason I throw up five in every photo is my mother is my hero. My mother. I get a lot of accolades. I get a lot of love and 100%, dad don't be mad at me, but an enormous amount, close to 100% of the reason it happens is the way she parented me, who she is, who she was, who she is today, and all I'm really doing for the world is extending what she did to me to the world. And the reason I've saved that jersey is when I buy the New York Jets in the future. It happened, bro. When. I'm gonna put that jersey in the front of the stadium when everybody walks in. I'm literally, when I design the stadium, I'm gonna design it so that the majority of people have to walk through the middle while still getting everybody to their seats nicely. Just a little advice. Uh, grab the team first before you design the new stadium. <laughs> Real quick, I wanna say the punchline. I'm gonna put that jersey in front of everybody and it's gonna have a little plaque and it's gonna say, from not being able to buy a Jets jersey, to buying, close your ears kids, the whole fucking team. Listen, I'm incredibly proud of you. I love this town. Honestly, I was here last weekend. I've been here several times since Rise really jumped in. I gotta tell you, I just, you know, I, I know we're wrapping up. I'm just so humbled to be here. I adore, that would be the word I use, I adore the entrepreneurial spirit, the community feel, the civility that I see from the airport to the hotel to the meetings that many people in this town treat each other with. I love being here. 
I'm so honored to be a part of this. I hope you heard me on the day trading attention thing for the practical stuff. I hope you heard the mom story for the macro stuff. Fuck the business. Find your happiness, be nice. Life, life can be so good if you don't complicate it. And I love you, brother, and I'm proud of you, and I'm happy to be here. First of all, I want to thank you. I know you just came all the way across the country just for this, for these folks. And so, hey, if you do VCon here, would you guys all come? Yeah! I mean, bro, that's a good base to start. Like, we gotta do it, bro. Listen, if you want to give the arena for free, Again, you know, these are business conversations we can have. We can do a couple. Let's do it though. Let's go.